0: Welcome to Shelf Logic, the official podcast of the Maricopa County Library District.
1: Hello, and welcome to Shelf Logic. My name is Caroline. And I'm Danielle. And I'm Sierra. And welcome back to the TBR podcast. We have just been chipping away yes. at our to be read lists this year. So we're very excited to be hosting our last one of 2023 and talking about the books that we've been getting off our lists. Yes. yes super
2: excited yeah. it's been a lot of
1: fun yeah. it really has
2: been i've had a great time this year
1: going through all this forcing ourselves to read books that have been just festering yeah. yes. And yes some of
2: them have been hits and some of them have been misses yeah and yeah i'm i mean that's the beauty of reading right yeah. exactly i love it um but i know i was i missed last one so yeah. i actually have four books to talk about today <laughs> Woo-hoo. so with that i'm gonna jump in yeah i'm excited kick it off um so I say that i'm excited the first book i'm going to talk about was a miss oh. <laughs> um the first book i read was uh, mirror mirror by jen calanita um and i don't remember which one of you picked it for me but um i didn't i didn't love it it's a retelling of uh snow white and it's got a twist to it so um jen calanita and another author i can't remember her name but they do a lot of stories like this and i think they're like affiliated with disney somehow um and so it's very true to the disney version of um the fairy tales um except they all have a little twist like something's a little bit different so like in this one instead of snow white being the one eating the apple and the prince has to kiss her it's the prince the prince eats the apple and she has to revive him um and you actually get a lot of the evil stepmother's story in this one and like (laughs) how she finds the magic mirror and her soul and the magic mirror's soul are like really tied to each other Um, it's not necessarily that the queen was evil to begin with. Mm. She had a rough childhood. Um, mm. And then just kind of trying to dig herself out of that, she became a little bit too power hungry. Mm. And then she found this mirror. And the mirror is what was truly, truly evil. Um, but she essentially gave the mirror part of her soul to like waken it. Oh. Mm. And so then it they like had like this mutual toxic parasitic relationship with each other, essentially. <laughs> okay. um, and so that was an interesting concept. Mm-hmm. I just didn't really love the execution. It was almost verbatim the movie up okay. until um, the prince eats the apple. Like, mm-hmm. everything happened. Like, the wood, the huntsman, the heart, the the princess being sent out. Like, just the whole thing. It was just very reminiscent of the movie but not the movie and I was Mm. just like "Mm." the the pace was really kind of slow like it it had potential but it didn't hit so I don't know I gave it two stars out of five um I think I would read something else um I know Caroline you've read the Meg Hercules one
1: yeah and I think there's two kind of different types of these like twisted tales stories there's like a different take on the original story and then there's almost like an epilogue
0: Mm. version and
1: Meg's story is more like an epilogue so at the end of Hercules they get to Mount Olympus and the gods all say like congratulations Hercules you did it you're a god and like you did your tasks and then they're like oh but Meg's a human sorry yeah and then they're like "Ah, no why not she could stay or you can go back whatever you want to do in the twisted tale it's like Meg has the choice to do a quest to be allowed to stay in Olympus with okay. um, Hercules. Okay. So it's, like, a fun continuation of the story because, yeah, I mean, at the end of Hercules, you're just like, well, it's really that easy? Yeah. She can just, like, Hercules <laughs> had to do all this work, and she can just stay or yeah. go. It doesn't matter. Um, so when you read that, and, like, it's a fun continuation, it's like, oh, okay, I can see where this ties back, and yeah. I can see where it would move the story forward and be something different. I think I'd probably feel the same as you about a, like, Oh well it's just the roles are reversed and like yeah. now she has to save him. It's like okay. Yeah. But it's mostly the same. Well
0: yeah. sometimes when you already know the story, it makes it hard to get through. When you're like, mm-hmm. Okay, I know that this movie is is exactly like this. I know this yeah. fairy tale, so you're just reading something you already know. Yeah. That can be really hard. Yeah, it makes yeah. you want to rush. And like in the movie you get to
2: see snow white build the her relationship with the seven dwarves mm-hmm. and like in this case they are cute and it's fun to like read her interactions with them but it's just not the same yeah um i will say though and i don't know if it's jen calanita who wrote it or if it's the other author but there is a retelling a twisted tale of peter pan where wendy goes to neverland with hook oh so oh, that yeah. one seems interesting so i'll check yeah. that out I'm not poo-pooing the whole idea of Twisted Tales, but this one just wasn't... Yeah. Wasn't a hit for me. I get you. Um, the other one that I read, though, was um, was a hit for me. It's called A Thousand Lives, The Untold Story of Hope, Deception, and Survival at Jonestown.
0: Well, I remember you telling me
2: that Yeah. You um, it's by Julia Shears. I'm butch- butchering the last name, I'm sure. But this book was so good. Um I knew a little bit about Jonestown. I'm really into true crime and especially cults. Um, it just fascinates me. And this book went into a lot of depth and detail. Um, there were, I might be exaggerating, but I think it was like 2,000 pages of FBI documentation wow. when they finally went to Jonestown. And like the documents they recovered there, one of them was a diary of a lady with her whole story from like beginning to end of her being into Jonestown. Wow. Um, and so the author Julia um she had access to these these FBI paperwork this FBI paperwork and so she pieced it together and told a bunch of different stories of people's experiences at Jonestown but she weaved it into a chronological Mm
0: -hmm. how
2: did we go from where Jim Jones started to Guyana Mm -hmm. and Jonestown and how things ended um and even I went and watched a documentary afterwards um, that was strictly on Jonestown and even that didn't have the level of detail that this book had Um, and I know one of my biggest takeaways is like how people are like did you drink the kool-aid don't drink the kool-aid that's actually not that funny when you Mm -hmm. know that I would say 90 percent of the people in Guyana did not drink the kool-aid they were injected with this cyanide laced kool-aid um, they were forced at gunpoint to drink this Kool-Aid. Um, mothers forced their children to drink it and then went and laid in a field and just held them while they frothed at the mouth. Like, it was just so sad. Um, and it just, it kind of just blew me away to to see the evolution of that and how, how cults kind of grow like that and mm-hmm. um, the way he started and how you kind of, get people in so that as he snowballed downhill and started to get more and more paranoid, people were so invested in what they knew Mm -hmm. that they were already in it. And like all their friends and family were in it, everybody they knew was in it. Um, There was also a lot of propaganda about Jonestown that was sent to them, like in Guyana. They were sent these videos that made it seem like it was this lush, wonderful paradise um, and when it first started, it was decent because there were so few people, mm-hmm. and so it was sustainable, and people weren't smushed into houses by, like, the tens and 20 people in one little hut, um, and the food that they had was sustainable for the amount of people that they had at the time, um, but once news uh, reports and stuff started catching wind of how toxic Jones, Jim Jones really was, he panicked and fled, and then essentially manipulated people into coming down and then it just the population was too much they couldn't keep up with the food that's when people started starving Um, and once they got there Jim Jones would take their passport so then they couldn't leave Mm. Um, and so this idea that they were sold where everybody has their own hut and everybody's gonna have food every day in abundance and and none of that was actually what happened and they didn't know they didn't know till they got there and their passports were taken so it was just like oh my heart hurt for those people who really did want out and couldn't do anything. Yeah. So if, if you want more of a deep dive about Jonestown, I highly, highly recommend this book. It was very informative. It sounds really good. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, it sounds like there's a lot of information that they were able to really dive into. And yeah. I know you love all of that. I do. So. <laughs> yes.
2: The documentary I watched had the author in it. Okay. Um, so she was giving like anecdotal information that came from her book but it just didn't didn't hold to the book the book was just so in depth yeah but yeah yeah so if you're a true crimey person and you like cults this is a good one
0: yes yeah. I love awesome. that I'm yeah. so glad you were able to dive into that I remember you telling me right after you read it you're like this is so good so, so I'm so glad yeah that's awesome All right, I read two books, obviously. Um, The first one that I started was The Tattooist of Auschwitz by Heather Morris. Um, and then it's also the last one I finished of the two that I read because I had to start over from the beginning. I don't know what my deal was with it because I definitely got into it the second time around, but the first time I just couldn't follow the story. (laughs) I got like an hour into the audio and I was like, what is happening? I don't know if I was distracted while I was listening or what it was, but I'm really glad I went back and reread it. So I'm going to read the Goodreads description just to kind of give everybody a, a good look at it. Um, okay, so it goes in April, 1942. Lale, so I'm gonna so butcher this. Lale Sokolov, a Slovakian Jew, is forcibly transported into the con- concentration camps at Auschwitz-Birkenau. When his captors discover that he speaks several languages, he is put to work as a tattooist, tasked with permanently marking his fellow prisoners. Imprisoned for more than two and a half years, Lale witnesses hor- horrific atrocities. Wow. Horrific atrocities and barbarism, but also incredible acts of bravery and compassion. Risking his own life, he uses his privileged position to exchange jewels and money from murdered Jews for food to keep his fellow prisoners alive. One day in July 1942, Lale, prisoner 32407, comforts a trembling young woman waiting in line to have the number 34902 tattooed on her arm. Her name is Gita, and in that first encounter, Lolly vows to somehow survive the camp and marry her. A vivid, harrowing, and ultimately hopeful recreation of Lolly Soklov's experiences as the man who tattooed the arms of thousands of prisoners with what would become one of the most potent symbols of the Holocaust. The tattooist of Auschwitz is also a testament to the endurance of love and humanity under the darkest possible conditions. So, obviously, being Holocaust Auschwitz, Birkenov, all of that, um, this was a brutal read. I don't feel like I really, like I got into it the second time, but I don't feel like I personally ever super connected with the characters, so I wasn't quite as devastated by this book as I kind of expected to be considering the topic. Um, I thought though it was an excellent... Um, way of just looking at history through the eyes of somebody real. So this was based on a true story and the audiobook that I read or that I listened to, um, they did have actually the son of Lolly and Gita um, gave the afterword and the author they made it. They did. Mm-hmm. I know, I know. So spoiler alert, they did make it. <laughs> um but yeah, so he actually made did the afterword and the author had um, spent time interviewing Lale for this story. So she, um, yeah, connected with him and was able to try to write the story as accurately as possible. I think the reason why they say it's inspired by a true story is because there's dialogue and obviously you can't know that that's exactly what they said, um, or specifically did, but, um, there's a lot of real history in it. So, um, I thought it was really interesting. I don't feel like I knew the idea of the story before I went into it. I just knew that I'd seen it a lot and I was just intrigued by the to- the topic. And so I don't think though that I really realized that there was like a love story entwined with it. So that was really interesting to read about just kind of how they handled that at Auschwitz and Birkenau, which was where they were actually imprisoned, while they went between the two camps. Um, they were, I guess, not too far from each other. The two concentration camps. I don't know a ton about that, um, like the layout of the geography of all that, but um, it sounds like there were, they were like sister camps, um, essentially. And so, um, I don't know. It was a really interesting look at, like, how do you fall in love in a constant like what horrible conditions that must have been and how Lale really struggled with the concept of needing to tattoo these people. Like, this is a permanent mark on their bodies. And out of all of the horrific things, I mean, there's a scene where all of the people he's been living with in his little block all die. Um, That was really brutal to read about his grief in that. Like, how do you can't imagine the survivor's guilt well Mm -hmm. right yeah and it's like the reason he survived is because he was the tattooist that's the only reason why he was not a part of that whole thing and like this that job saved his life in a lot of different ways and on a lot of different circumstances the people that he had developed relationships with through that who ended up having to you know interrogate him later on and were supposed to essentially beat him until he died if he didn't give them information, but didn't because they had had this relationship, um, and his determination to use his position to help get other people food, even at the risk of his own life. I don't know. It was just, it was really wild to listen to and just be grateful that there was, there were people like that who did want to sacrifice themselves even in that kind of a situation. I don't know, I thought it was just a wild story. It was really neat to hear that the two did end up together. Um, they both survived, which is mind-blowing yeah. considering all the circumstances around that. And I don't know, I thought it was it was a good read. Um, I don't, I can't rate it. I don't feel like there's, there's certain books that you just can't rate. Cause it's like, I didn't feel like I connected super, super strongly with it. So for me, it wasn't like a five-star read but it was also an excellently written book it the the topic was (laughs) brutal though so you know like I just I can't read that um well but I thought it was worthwhile if that kind of history is something that you're interested in or if you feel like you don't have the best grip on World War II or the Holocaust there's a lot of um a lot of really personal uh information in there as far as what one person experienced and I think it's really good to see history through the lens of individual people because it's easy to look at it from a wide scale lens and not to hone in on one person and I think this story did that really well.
1: Nice. Okay. Have
0: either of you guys read it? No. I it's have. on
1: my TBR list though. Okay. Yeah, I've read it and I read the, it's a trilogy now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that the original book was meant to be a screenplay. okay, and I think you told me that when I was struggling yeah. to start okay. it. yeah, because that's what I struggled with too. and I've actually read another book that originated as a screenplay was adapted to a book and then and then was made into a film. And there's something about that format that just sometimes doesn't read quite right because, yeah obviously screenplays and movies are so dialogue heavy Mm -hmm. that like when you're trying to translate that to a book sometimes you lose some of that in between like Mm -hmm. they moved from here to there they did this (coughs) the day-to-day stuff gets a little lost but i think once you get past some of that with the first book it gets a little easier to like read it just on format Mm -hmm. um but the second and third book, I don't think were written that way. I think when the first book had so much success, they wrote they wrote the second and third mm-hmm. as like their own, their own books. Yeah, okay, not a screenplay yeah. adapt to a book. So yeah. they were really good. And they focus on some of the side characters. I was
0: going to say, I know the second oh. one definitely focused on a side character who is one of Gita's friends. It's called Silka's Journey. I didn't know yes. it was a trilogy.
1: I knew that there was a second one, though. Maybe I'm thinking so. of a different Holocaust book that I've read. But I think the third one's called Three Sisters. Okay. Um, But yeah, the second book focuses on one of her friends who Mm -hmm. um, ends up at um, Robinsbrook after Mm -hmm. Auschwitz is liberated um, because she, spoiler, but she was uh, like kind of a handmaiden to one of the SS guards. And so Mm -hmm. she ends up when they liberate the camp they assume she's a Mm co-conspirator so they send her to Robinsbrook because they're like well you're clearly working with the Nazis and she's like no that's not what it was but she's too like ashamed of herself to explain to them like this is why I was in the position I was in
0: well all of this I think this book really did really well at also showing Silka's side of it like just a little bit she was a side character Mm -hmm. but like it made very clear that the position of tattooist and Silka's position and even Gita's position in like working in the administration with the SS was like this was how they survived. Yeah, they looked at this as like there is no other way for us to get out of this place. Yeah.
1: so we just have to do. So we, we have can. to do what
0: we can, and what are you supposed to do at that point? That's yep. a
1: hard position to be in. Yeah. And that's the second book is really good because it really dives into that a lot. Yep. Like people had to do what they had to do, mm-hmm. and when. The Allied forces came in and liberated the concentration camps. It was so, like, it was so overwhelming all the things that they saw and experienced. And so they were just like, ah, if you had anything to do with this, we've got to lock you up. And you'll get your due process. We don't know when, but, like, we just need to assume for now that, like, you're working with them
0: and that makes sense to some extent too yeah it's just like it's so hard it is
1: yeah and that's (laughs) Silka's journey really goes into a lot of that and then um three sisters focuses on magda okay who it's been so long since i've read these i honestly can't remember
0: i was gonna say her name is familiar but i don't remember who she is she's very much a
1: side character in the first book um and it focuses on, on her and her two sisters um and their father passes like at the beginning of the war but he like tells them to stay together no matter what and so it's like their journey that was actually my least favorite of the 3 I didn't realize I rated it pretty low on Goodreads but I do think that it's a worthwhile trilogy to read cuz it's they all like add to each other so they were yeah. really they're really interesting
0: yeah that's awesome yeah yeah well I look forward to reading it
1: yeah, it's definitely on my list. Yeah, so.
2: yeah, it's a good yeah. One. The
1: audio
0: was good. Okay. I will say, like, once I understood it, you really need to focus the first like hour or so because okay. once I did that, I really was like, I know who's who, okay. I know what's happening. There are a couple L names, and I think that that doesn't help. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, one of Lolly is like the other tattooist that he's with, one of one of the guys that he works with. His name starts with an L, and so for a little while, it's like who's who. Okay, hang on. Yep. Which one are we talking about? And okay. if you don't
1: have like. Polish or Eastern European family, like that can be really, like some of the names can be really confusing. Yeah. Um, I'm fortunate to have an Eastern European last name. So I, <laughs> <laughs> anytime I see like when I read Holocaust books, I'm like, okay, I think I know how this is pronounced. But <laughs> I'm yeah, not, that, I'm not 100% confident, but I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So it can be, it can be a little overwhelming when you're reading it in print. For sure. Yeah. Well, I was debating which one I was going to start with because I also have a book about the Holocaust, and I think it ties in nicely, but maybe we need a little break. Um, but my other book's not that much like happier. Um, I read This Is My America by Kim Johnson. Um, it is about a teenage girl named Tracy and her family. Tracy's father um, is incarcerated, and she believes he's been wrongfully incarcerated. So she's been writing to... Um, I think it was called Project, oh, Innocence X. Project X is a, not the same thing. Innocence <laughs> X. Um, she's been writing to a, a group called Innocence X who um, are lawyers that would come together and help wrongfully convicted um, incarcerated people like get a new trial and get potentially like out of jail. Mm-hmm. So she's been writing to them on behalf of her dad but her brother is like a star athlete and a great student. And so he's kind of the focus of like the news with him graduating and the school loves him. Um, And so they are constantly like, Tracy don't like, don't do anything weird on the news. Don't do anything weird on TV to like upset your brother or like turn the attention from him toward you and like Innocent X and your dad. And like, let's just like do that stuff away from all the success your brother's having. And then her brother um, becomes the subject of a murder um, in their town. Okay. And so not only is she writing to Innocence X to try to get her dad retried, but she's also now, like, desperately writing to them, trying to get them to come out and help get her dad a new trial, and then also, like, help her brother because he's being wrong- wrongfully convicted of a, of a murder. And she's confident. She knows, like, in her heart that it could not possibly be him. Um, so throughout the book, it's not only, like, a like slice of life, I guess, kind of fiction, but it's also a little bit of a mystery because throughout the okay. book, we're trying with Tracy to figure out who did murder the person that dies. Um, and so it's... A lot of like putting the clues together throughout the story, and a lot of like hoping that Tracy's right and it's not her brother, and that like she can figure it out in time, and that Innocent sex will hopefully step in and like help get not only her dad freed, but also help her brother mm. get like a fair trial. And um, so it was a really it was a really interesting book. Um, I think it's very timely. Like I think that we're seeing a lot of. Um, we actually just got a notification this morning that somebody. Um, in my hometown was like released from prison after a retrial and he'd been jailed for 37 years just a really long time um and Tracy's dad in the book she's he's on death row um and he's got less than a year before his um conviction is up and his death row date has come and he's um he would be like he'd be getting the death penalty so she's like in this race against time and also like this race against like trying to figure out what she can do to like make innocent sex notice her and like come and help yeah. so it was a really interesting book um it i almost don't want to say like how it ends because it's really gripping and throughout the book you're just kind of like oh come on come on come on like i yeah, really want yeah. this for her i really want this for her family so i thought it was really good there's a little bit of a romance in it and i wrote in my goodreads review that like i i eh, that was the only reason I took one star away from it because I just didn't think that with everything going on in her life and with her family and the importance of, like, everything she's got going on that this, this like, love triangle did not need to happen. Yeah. Um. She's got a friend who they, like, grew up together and they're kind of, like, childhood crushes. Um, but then his dad is with her dad when he's arrested and his dad is murdered. Okay. So they kind of fall out a little bit when she, like, her dad goes to jail and he loses his dad. But they're still friendly. And then she's also got a crush on, like, her mom's boss's son, who she also goes to school with. So, <laughs> okay. and it, it just, like, I thought that some of the love triangle stuff distracted from, like, the core message of the book and, mm-hmm. like, how important it was for her to, like, get Innocence X involved and, like, help her family. Um, so there were, there were big chapters that like were completely focused on like will she choose dean or will she choose quincy and i'm like i don't care yeah i don't care i want her to like i want her family to do well and i want her to be the one to like save her family and like help make Mm -hmm. a difference for her family so every time we're like oh (laughs) maybe she'll choose dean i'm like i don't care at all choose both choose choose neither like I would just rather read more about like the struggle that she's going through to try and like get this like innocent sex project to recognize her and notice her so every time the boyfriends came up I was like oh no no boyfriends (laughs) we don't need boys just just focus on your family
0: I feel like sometimes in teen books too it's like they try to shove the romance into another
1: story and it's just
0: like why like there are just moments when you're just like there is no reason why this needs to be in here
1: yep sometimes it adds to the plot and sometimes it's just like i think this is yeah i think that this is like a trope of ya where like somewhere in there we have to have like friend drama or a love triangle and it's there are times when both of the boys contribute to the core story but it felt like just like a really lame b plot yeah. Like okay. I don't care who.
0: Unnecessary.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like I don't care who she chooses ultimately. Like I just want her to be happy. And ultimately, yeah. like we know that what will really make her happy is like being able to give her family the justice that she thinks they deserve. So, mm-hmm. like let's just not with the boyfriends. Yeah. Let's yeah. just focus on our family and yeah. and ourselves. So. Yeah. Yeah. It was a really good book, though. I would recommend it.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. Hmm. I'm so glad you enjoyed it. Sounds really interesting.
1: Yeah. It was definitely a good read.
2: Um, that kind of leads into one of the books I read this last time, um, and you actually, Caroline, you recommended this book, or you pulled this book for me. Mm. Um, it is called The Nineteenth Wife by David Ebershoff, Ebershoff, um, so this book is part historical fiction, part murder mystery, so that's kind of the similarity, I guess. Um, so the historical fiction is back in 1875, and it follows Ann Eliza Young, who is um, historically known as one of Brigham Young's wife, wives, and she, like, divorced him. She left the uh, Mormon Church. She made this huge push to um, have the Mormon Church stop the polygamy back then. Mm-hmm. Um, because that was ultimately like what pushed her away. Like it was just really hard for her to be one of his wives. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was one of the storylines that we followed. And it was, it was interesting because I didn't know the history of Anna Young. Um, and I did obviously research and, and some of it was author's liberties. Um, that's the historical fiction part of it. But a lot of it was true to her story. Um, And the parallel story with that is um, a young man, Jordan Scott, who was part of a fundamentalist cult that very heavily followed polygamy, and he gets kicked out of the cult, um, and he's just excommunicated. Nobody talks to him, including his mother, but then his mother gets put in jail for murdering her husband, Um, but she is... So Annalisa Young is is known as the 19th wife of Brigham Young, and Jordan Scott's mom is the 19th wife of her husband that ends up being murdered. So Jordan is now trying to breach this cult that he was raised in and get in there to find proof that his mom didn't do it. Um, And the stories kind of intertwine. They really only relate in... The polygamy aspect, like the fights against polygamy. Um, it's not like Analyza Young was one of his descendants and that's how they're related. Like they weren't, the characters weren't related, just the, the storyline mm-hmm. was related. Um, and it was, the book was okay. It was, um, it was just okay. Um, I thought it was going to be more intriguing. Um, Jordan was a fun character to follow um he has this really lovable dog um he has some fun um characters with him um i don't feel like this was a waste of my time to read it but it i don't know that i'd also ever recommend it necessarily like if you're bored and you're just in a, a book hole sure it's it's decent <laughs> um but if you have other books that you're really looking forward to like you can table this one it's fine um so yeah i i just that's kind of all i really have to say about that one it was interesting what was really interesting to me which is really nothing to do with the book itself but i thought it was interesting how last the last time for the um podcast that i missed i got a cult book and uh um disney retelling and then oh, this, yeah. this poll, I got a cult book and a Disney retelling. <laughs> oh my gosh, how funny. So yeah, that was, that's my favorite part. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the book that I read that I'm going to, my books, my TBR books, I'm going to end with on a bang. Um, I read Cinder by Marissa Meyer. And oh my gosh, this is one of the books that sat on my TBR list for so long And I'm so sad that it took me so long to read it. Mm. I actually, so it's a, there's four of them. I don't know what that's called. It's not a trilogy. Quadrilogy. Quadrilogy. (laughs) I don't know (laughs) if that's real. I don't know. It's a four um, book series. It's a four book series. And on Tuesday night, I finished the fourth one. I just, I barreled through these books. They were so good. I'm kind of devastated that it's over. Mm. Um, They were just so good. Um, so I'm going to read my um, review for Cinder. Um, so I, it, I'm sad that it took me so long to read this. This was such a good book. I finished it in two days. This Cinderella retelling is fire. Um, Cinder, so Cinder is a cyborg mechanic who was adopted into the Lynn family. Her adoptive father dies and she's raised by her evil stepmother and stepsister. Cinder meets the prince who is fighting his own battle, the disease plaguing his people. As the two gets closer, Cinder gets buried by more and more secrets, many of which come out at the ball, because you can't have Cinderella without a ball and a glass slipper, kind of. Um, these characters are so well-written. It's fast-paced, semi-familiar, yet full of twists and turns. I cannot wait to read the rest of this. So, so good. And um, you really and it, could not wait. I could not wait. <laughs> it really is so good. There's a lot of familiarity with the Cinderella story, but it's also dystopian, mm-hmm. which I, I also love. Um, and it's also kind of sci-fi, because Cinder is a cyborg, um, and so cyborgs are really looked down upon um, in, in this society. And there's also um, a, so there's Earthen, she's an Earthen, an Earthen cyborg, and then there's a moon called Lunar, and um, there, so there's Lunar people that Earthen people don't like, um, but the Lunar Queen wants to marry the prince so that she can become an empress Mm -hmm. um and so that's a big plot in it the lunar queen and the prince and cinder um cinder has a a little robot friend um who's just her name's aiko she's amazing um at some point cinder ends up in prison and so she ends up with um uh, another character who follows the series um his name is thorn carswell thorn he's a riot he's a, he's just so funny throughout the whole series um and you you start to learn about this disease it's the letimosis disease and um in this book i'm not going to spoil it but you learn like where it comes from and kai the prince he's he's been trying to find a cure for it and they've been testing cyborgs oh. um to to try to find this cure so they've been kind of like guinea pigs and most of the cyborgs have been dying because they're not able to um find a cure for it Mm -hmm. um and then cinder gets pulled in to this um and then that's where you get more twists and turns and um her one of her stepsisters who actually isn't evil contracts letamosis so you've got that side story kai's father the Emperor catches LetoMosis, and that's really one of his big pushes. But then underneath all of that, um, there is another evil stepmother situation where you have a, a mysterious princess, Princess Selene, and so Kai is, while he's looking for this letimosis disease, he's also looking for Princess Selene. And she was supposedly murdered by the Lunar Queen, Princess Selene is Lunar. Um, because the lunar queen wanted to take the throne. Mm. Um, but Celine was next in line. So once Celine's mom died, um, there was this big fire and supposedly Princess Celine died in this fire, or did she? Mm. A lot of people don't believe that she really did die because they never found a body. they just found um, a girl-shaped pile of ashes. Mm. So huh. they don't really know like is she still alive? is she not? Um, And so the rest of the series kind of follows this idea of, you know, Kai, the Lunar Queen, finding Princess Celine defeating the Lunar Queen, and this is just, like, the beginning of it. And it's just so good. I 158% recommend this book. I cannot... I'm going to start going into spoilers if I keep talking about it, but it is just phenomenal. Um... It was a great retelling, which in stark contrast to Mirror Mirror was very refreshing. I was a little bit nervous when I saw um, Sierra picked Cinder for me, and I was like, "Mm, I just read Mirror Mirror, and it wasn't great. I'm not terribly excited about it. Boy, was I wrong. So (laughs) I loved it, loved it, loved it.
1: 12 out of 10 recommend. I think everybody should read it. I feel like this is the most successful tbr poll because not only did it get cinder off your list it got the whole series yeah, off your list the whole series that. wasn't
2: even on my list i didn't even know i wanted to read the whole series
0: oh, yeah um
2: and i was talking to another friend um about it we had breakfast the other day and she was like girl i told you to read that like i'm the reason it ever made it to your tbr <laughs> list you wouldn't have even put it on that list if i hadn't have told you how good it was okay. and i vaguely remember this conversation and she's an old co-worker And I haven't worked there for two years. So it's been on my list for at least two years. Yeah. Probably longer. I love that. Blew my mind. I love it. I love that. I I listened to it. Oh, that's the other thing. If you do decide to read it, I don't know how it reads with your peepers, but I really recommend the audio. The narrator is just phenomenal. Um, She has different accents for all the different characters. She just very clearly you know which character is talking, even though she's just one person. And it's just so good.
0: That's awesome. I have had that on my TBR as well. And I love me like a dystopia, sci-fi. I I did the same thing when I read The Selection where I read the whole series after you guys pulled that. I don't remember who pulled it, but I read the entire series. This one is really good. I just love it. And I, yeah, I love a sci-fi. So I got to, I got to bump that one up on my yeah. Because we've had two big hits on TBR podcast.
2: Yeah. And I am going to just I know that these weren't my picks but I'm just going to say because I want to talk about this the something the author does such a phenomenal job so the second book is called Scarlet and it follows little red riding hood Fun. and the big bad wolf Cute. and it has so oh she's so good so the third one is Cress and it's Rapunzel
0: okay
2: um and then the fourth one is Winter and it's Snow White and so in each one the core of the fairy tales are followed like oh, somehow nice. the narr- the author is able to tie in what those fairy tales are at their core mm-hmm. into the overall story yeah so like not a spoiler because it happened in winter the princess eats a poison apple and she yeah. needs a true love to bring her back to life um in the grim fairy tale of rapunzel um when the prince is going to save Rapunzel, he falls and he's blinded. Mm-hmm. And her tears are what bring his sight back, similar in Cress. Oh, okay. okay. Um, uh, the big bad wolf, the grandma gets eaten, kind of, by the wolf, kind of. So it's just like at the core, yeah. you're still getting your familiar fairy tales and your familiar stories, but it's in this bigger story, yeah. in this dystopian world. And it just, cool. the way the author did that, Oh, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. She wrapped it up so perfectly. I can't say enough. Definitely bump that up on your list.
0: Love it. If you don't have it on your list, add it to your list. Everybody
1: should read this. We all know that I have every book on my list. Well, that's
0: fair. (laughs) Caroline has every single book that's ever been published on her list. That is fair. Essentially. We all know.
1: Everybody listening knows it's fine.
0: It's fine. (laughs) I'm so glad that was such a hit. makes me so happy. So good. Okay, so I my second one was one, and I wish I had notes on this. So we're just going to do the best we can, because okay. I read this one like a month ago. Um, It's called Do Hard Things, A Teenage Rebellion Against Low Expectations. It's written by Alex and Brett Harris. They are twin brothers. Um, I'm going to read like a bit of the Goodreads description partially to refresh my memory because I there were so many good things about this book and I didn't take notes throughout and it's like it's a nonfiction book so there's quotes that are just really applicable and I feel like I need to go back and like look at it with my eyeballs because I did listen to the audio so let me read the description just to give you guys kind of a, a idea of what it is Um, A generation stands on the brink of a revolution, which is rebel and revolution kind of combined. Do Hard Things is the Harris Twins' revolutionary message in its purest and most compelling form, giving readers a tangible glimpse of what is possible for teens who actively resist cultural lies that limit their potential. Combating the idea of adolescence as a vacation from responsibility, the authors weave together biblical insights, history, and modern examples to redefine the teen years as the launching pad of life they then map out five powerful ways teens can respond for personal and social change written by teens for teens do hard things is packed with humorous personal anecdotes practical examples and stories of real-life revolutionaries in action this rallying cry from the heart of an already happening teen revolution challenges a generation to lay a brighter future starting today so this I knew that it was written from a Christian perspective. I did not know how much of that was gonna be in here. So if that bothers you, totally like get that. Um, I feel like it's still applicable for people who aren't in that, um, that faith, but definitely you know, know that that's where it's coming from. Um, this was an excellent book. I read it because I am in a leadership position with teenagers Um, in my life, and I was just curious what they had to say about it. I knew people who've read it um, and had heard excellent things about it, so I had put it on my list just to see what I thought about it. Um, They made some really good points, and I don't remember when this was published. Let me look. 2008, so it's 15 years old at this point, Um, but still feel like it's really um, relatable for teens today and honestly even for adults like <laughs> there were plenty of things in it that I was like whoa I need to think about that because that is you know something that I struggle with or like it's really easy to think of like I'm just doing my best in life or like 50 percents is good enough or anything like that and this book really challenges that concept um, I really appreciated the fact that they really took the idea of Um, being a teenager and really looked at it from a historical standpoint like the word teenager they they did a bunch of research only uh, so it was was around for 70 years before they wrote it so 85 years is the history of the term teenager I have no idea um historically you were either a child or an adult teenager was not a thing and they looked at a ton of research about it like it's a very that's a known fact in so history it's pretty recent exactly so the concept of being a teenager is so recent and it's really can be taken as an excuse for just goofing off so historically like you became an adult like kind of mid puberty mm-hmm, like it yeah. wasn't really like not immediate, but there were a lot of you know your thirteen, fourteen, fifteen year olds would be considered an adult, yeah. um historically speaking, and they would be expected to then take on adult responsibilities of, you know, working or getting further education Having or babies. I mean that, but they didn't talk about that <laughs> yeah. here. But yes, I mean there there was a lot of a lot of that historically speaking, and what disservice we as a culture do to our teenagers to allow them to not reach their full potential. Um, I, as a teenager, really struggled with being a teenager and it was only when I had an opportunity to really feel like an adult and was respected by adults that I felt glad to be a teenager and not a child. And so that's kind of the way that I try to look at this leadership role that I'm in with teens is like I want to treat them like they are young adults. I don't want to treat them like they are just goofing off, not being responsible, like our culture does. And I this was just a really good like encouragement to me towards that end, though it was written for teens. Um, I, I felt like that was just a really big encouragement to me that like this is there is a foundation for this. Um, And I also just was really convicted and encouraged to just also like work hard. And it's not saying like work hard and never rest. It's not like that. It's just like, no, you have this potential. Don't undermine that. Mm -hmm. Don't do things and like waste your time. Don't, that was a big thing that I feel like I've been learning for like the latter half of the year is I feel like I'm, I waste a lot of time and I don't want to be that person. And so that was really encouraging for me too, to be like, No, you have things that you can contribute to the world, and you have ways that you can grow, and things that you should be focusing on. Scrolling on your phone to rest can be okay, but it's not what you should be spending hours a day doing. Like, I don't know. I just, I thought it was a really good read. I feel like I need to read it a second time because I feel like there were so many little tidbits kind of sprinkled throughout. It was also just really cool and encouraging to read about teenagers who've been like part of, um, political campaigns mm-hmm. and like, you know, starting their own businesses and like doing all these things as teenagers. And it's like, why don't we encourage our teens to be like, not that every teen needs to go you know help a politician win a political race but like we can encourage our teens to have they have potential and they are wonderful people and we really allow them to or encourage them to like waste these teen years that like this is the time you're gonna have the most energy in your life oh my gosh
1: i've got this teenage
0: girl in my life that i always tell her she's like doing all kinds of things and i'm so proud of her and i tell her i'm like i'm only like 10 years older than you girl but like let me tell you that i have like less than half the energy you have. Yeah. So please and like, i'm
2: like 10 years older than you. So remember <laughs> <imagine> my energy
0: <laughs>
1: like it only right? goes down from here. Exactly.
0: And so then you just look at that and you're like, okay, take advantage yeah. of this time. Like learn what you can learn. Get yourself a really solid community. Spend time with that community. Like love on the people around you because you have the energy to do it, serve other people. Like, I don't know. I thought it was just an excellent and very inspiring thing for teens and also for me. So it was really good. I love that, yeah. I love yeah. that too.
1: I am very adamantly resentful of the idea that like, Oh, well, when you're under 18, you're a kid. And so we're going to talk to you like a kid and we're going to treat you like a kid. Mm-hmm. And we, I mean, we all work with kids in similar and different capacities. And I just, I think we all see that like that is so not true Mm -hmm. and I'm glad that there's books and other media being like written and published about that because kids have so much potential Mm -hmm. and if we just like remind them of that and like treat them like they are like contributing members of society and not just like well you're a little kid so you can't do anything or you're a teenager so you can't do anything it's like yeah yeah, I mean we don't want to see like 13 year olds out doing child labor, like right, in the early, right. like in the industrial revolution, but exactly. But we also, if you're a teenager and you're thinking like, well, gosh, I would love to do X, Y, and Z, but I'm just a teen, or like yeah. I can't drive, so I can't do that, or mm-hmm. I don't have a job, so I can't do that. It's like no that's not true right, like you no. have so much more potential than you realize yeah
0: well and I think that brings a good point and they didn't talk about this but I think a lot of the concept of teenager was an overcorrection from something like the industrial revolution where we did have child labor in our country and yep. there was that was a very big thing and frankly in other parts of the world it still is yeah but like I think yeah. that we we overcorrected we were like oh we can't make them work So we're gonna make them do nothing, and it's like, no, 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 that was way overcorrection.
1: Yeah. So there's so much potential, even if that doesn't mean like, yeah, go out and get get your four hundred one k going. Come on now, (laughs) you're alive. You
0: should have a four hundred (laughs) one k. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, I love that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I thought it was just a really sweet read, and I, as a as a leader, I feel like it is something that I should probably read on a semi regular basis, just to look at how I can encourage the teams in my life to. To just really reach for reach for the stars. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. That sounds like a good read. Yeah, yeah it was. Highly recommend.
1: I'm gonna lead us off on or leave us off I guess and <laughs> end the podcast on a sad um, well isn't it
0: so ex- no
1: it's you know it was a really good book though so the second book that I read that um, Sierra pulled for me I actually pulled the Aus- um, tattoos of Auschwitz for you <laughs> and you pulled the boy who followed his father into Auschwitz for me by Jerry Jeremy's Ronfeld. Like, what in the world <laughs> how did we manage this like we use oh. I know that the podcast you guys don't get to see like how we do that but we explain it a little bit we completely ran this -hmm. so when we both pulled books that both not only had Auschwitz in the title but like were incredibly like entirely centered around that it was just like how did we manage that and
0: y'all Caroline has like 1700 books on her tbr list
1: how did I pull (laughs) one of the like handful about Auschwitz I don't know which by the way uh like quarterly check-in on the tbr podcast last poll i was at 1795 this poll i'm at 1789 look
2: at you you making moves chipping away
1: um so yeah i read the boy who followed his father into auschwitz by jeremy drawnfields um originally published as the stone crusher so you may have read this book and just not realize it's the same book under a different title um but it's about the kleinman family um gustav and fritz kleinman are the main focuses of the book gustav is the father um is the sun and they live in vienna and the book opens with um kind of the political movement in vienna that was taking place when um they either had the option to like unify with germany or really the other alternative they say is to say like no thanks but it's nazi germany so they're going to come in and enforce it regardless so um which i think was called the Auschluss, um but you know it's. A European language that I don't speak, so I I think (laughs) that's how it was pronounced. Um, So obviously Austria and Vienna fall to Nazi Germany. Um, Jewish people living in Austria are being persecuted by the Nazis, Um, and Fritz and Gustav end up um, being arrested and taken to Buchenwald together, um, a concentration camp. And they a lot of the book, and let me tell you, this is a heavy book. Mm-hmm. Um, it's we a talk, thick book. It's a thick book. It's actually not as thick as it seems because the last, like, 100 pages or so are uh, bibliography sources. Okay. So it's about 350 pages. Okay. Um, but we always say on the TBR podcast, like, oh, we recommend the audio book. We recommend the audiobook. We're all audio readers. We do yeah. print, too. But I think this was on my TBR list for so long because it does not have an audio. No.
0: It only okay. has
1: a Young Readers Edition audio. So it just, I, it took me a while to get to it. And... The first, even just, like, the first few chapters are heavy. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it took me a while to get through this, um, but it was so worth it. Um, So Fritz and Gustav end up going to Buchenwald together. Um, A lot of the book is about their time at Buchenwald. Um, There's, like, a quarry at Buchenwald, so the bulk of the work that um, prisoners do at the concentration camp is, like, mining stone to build new buildings and to... Um, like aid Nazi Germany in like the fight against the Allied forces in World War II. Um, And I mean, every single chapter of this book had something devastating and had something like horrific. So if you're not into like kind of graphic, the graphic nature of like reading in general, like reading heavy things in general, this is a tough one. Um, I've read a lot of books about the Holocaust. I have a history degree, so this is very like familiar to me. But this was even one that I had to step away from sometimes because oh. I was just like, whoa, wow. Yeah. Um, so they spend a lot of time at Buchenwald. And then the title of the book kind of comes to fruition because um, Auschwitz has opened. There's a lot of rumor among prisoners about like what is happening at Auschwitz. And they all kind of know that if you get transferred from Buchenwald to Auschwitz, it's because you're going to die. And so Gustav gets put on the list for transport to Auschwitz. And at this point, they've made a lot of connections with SS guards, um, other prisoners, and Fritz goes straight to somebody that he knows and trusts and says, like, get me on that list. And the guy is like, no, I won't, because you know that that's a death sentence. Like, you know what you're asking for. And Fritz is like, I don't care, because if I stay here without my dad, I die. And if I go with my dad, at least I die with my dad. Absolutely devastating. Um, So they go together to Auschwitz. He ends up making it on the list and they go to Auschwitz together and they don't immediately go to like the gas chambers or to their death because they're both fit enough and have enough work experience from Buchenwald that Mm. they're valuable. Um, And there's three parts of Auschwitz. There's Auschwitz, Auschwitz Auschwitz-Birkenau, and then which is the focus of the tattooist of Auschwitz and then Mm -hmm. Auschwitz-Monowitz. And they were responsible for helping build Auschwitz Monowitz, so they're they're valuable. Um, And so, like the bulk of the second half of the book is their time in Auschwitz, and uh, just like heavy, really sad. They get transported again toward the end of the book, and at this point, Gustav is in his fifties. He's tired. He's starved. He's like not doing well, and he basically tells Fritz like Get out of here! Like you got to run." They're in an open-air, like, train transport, and he they figure out a way to get Fritz like up over the side of the train and like out to run. Um, and through a series of events, Fritz gets arrested again, ends up back in Monowitz without even knowing that they're in the same camp at the same time, and then Gustav gets transferred transferred again, and so they're separated toward the end of the book, and spoiler alert, I, I think you can probably assume from the fact that the book exists at all, but they do get reunited um, at the end of the war, and it was just such a good book. It was so touching. I learned a lot about the Holocaust that I didn't know and a lot about World War II. I did not know that um, England interred people, so when uh, a lot of Jewish people were fleeing mainland um, Europe, Germany, Austria, Poland, they were fleeing to the UK and when the war broke out England was like oh we don't know if these people who are fleeing Germany are Jewish people or people who are in disguise as Jewish people and Mm. they're just Nazis that are trying to infiltrate and so they rounded everybody up and took them and I didn't know that and so I just I learned a lot in this book um like I said it is heavy it's graphic there's a lot of parts where I had to like close the book and just be like wow ow 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 um but it's so good and it's, it speaks to the nature of family and hope and survival. And same thing in this one, like the tattooist of Auschwitz, they do a lot of things to like help each other and pull strings where they can, even though they know it could risk their own lives. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, Fritz at one point lies about being a brick mason. And he's like, yeah, I know, I'm a mason. I know how to lay bricks. And the SS are just like, sure, all right, we need more brick masons. So I guess you're a brick mason now. And he has no idea how to do it and just learns quick because yeah. he knows his life depends on it. Mm-hmm. So just a, an amazing read. Um, I definitely recommend it. It's probably one of the best books I've read about the Holocaust, um, but heavy. So yeah. definitely something to keep in mind if you're interested in it, but you know that like, that might be something that you would not enjoy. It's okay. There's a lot. Wow. So, yeah. yeah.
0: Sounds heavy. It is, yeah. yeah. But it does but, sound good. Yeah. It was
1: really good. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely recommend it if you can either like kind of skim past some of the really graphic stuff or if you're if you think you can kind of stomach that, it yeah. was worth reading.
0: Well, again, I feel like it's important for us to know the history. Yeah. yeah. They always say if you don't know history, you're doomed to repeat it yep. and it's it's good to it's important to know history and to see it from a
1: personal perspective. Absolutely. And it weighs on you for a reason because Mm -hmm. it's, it's impactful. So yeah, definitely a worthwhile read.
2: And it is a true story.
1: It is a true story. They actually, so, um, one of the contributors, like main contributors to the story is, um, Gustav's other son, Kurt, who, um, was very young when the war broke out so they were able to send him to the u.s very quickly um because he was so young it was easy to get him a visa and just send him to the u.s to live with family here so it's um mostly told from diaries that gustav kept fritz's first-hand account because he lived until about 2007 or 11 i think um and then kurt who was very young so he was i think he might still be alive so Mm. yeah so a lot of first-hand account it was really good okay yeah, oh, this is such a good i love yeah, this series of the podcast too. so we uh, normally would be pulling our next reads but coming into the new year we just you know we're always trying new things yep. so um keep an eye out or an ear out i suppose for a new iteration of the tbr podcast yes. we had way too much fun with this to like let it sunset but no. we'll call it like a a dusk Yes. it's yes. not sunsetted but right. it will be coming back in a new form in the new year so yes. we're not pulling new books today but keep so your keep two. your ears open stay two. absolutely oh, yeah. this has been so fun yes. Yes. yes such a good time all right well this has been caroline and Danielle. and sierra and we'll see you next time Bye. bye, bye.
0: thank you for listening to shelf logic make sure to hit subscribe and share this podcast with your friends Follow us on social media where we are at MCLDAZ.